I want to start this episode by issuing a formal apology to one of our nation's finest actors. In a recent episode of the New York Sports Corner, slanderous comments were made about the legacy of Luis Guzman, star of such films as Boogie Nights, Carlito's Way, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, and Out of Sight, as well as an unforgettable appearance on an episode of Community. My co-host Brody even went so far as to say, and I quote, I don't know who that is. I said I think I know who that is. I can assure you that this does not meet the editorial standards of the Mudville podcast, one that will go on record as being unabashedly pro-Luis Guzman. I can assure the listeners out there that I will do all I can to ensure Brody familiarizes himself with these movies and learns to love and respect Luis Guzman. I have seen a few of those movies, by the way. We can only hope Mr. Guzman accepts our apology. There's no reason that he should, to be honest with you. This is beyond abhorrent behavior. But that being said, I have seen a lot of the movies that you just mentioned. Enjoy the show. Somewhere men are laughing, and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has stopped! Okay, and we are back. It's Mudville. It's Monday, November 13th. I'm one of your hosts, Nolan Rabine. I'm Brody Staub. I actually wanted to read a passage today from a book I'm reading to start off the show. We really do be in the baseball offseason. This is a book that I've been reading for the past couple of weeks. It's called uh, The Free World, Art and Thought in the Cold War by uh, Luis Menand or Louis Menon. I don't know if he's I really French. thought you were about to say Luis Guzman for a second. Dude, like there was that a would split be so second. Sick. I was gearing up to hear that. <laughs> that what a, a plot twist that would be. Yeah. <laughs> This book is fantastic. Like I've been learning a ton reading it, uh, but there's one page in particular that I found pretty relevant to a lot of what we've been talking about on the podcast recently and just a lot of what's going on in Hollywood right now. And I felt like I wanted to share it with our listeners. Take us away. Yeah, this is in relation to Clement Greenberg uh, and his article, uh, Avant-Garde and Kitsch, from 1951. This is from... uh, page 131 in the chapter uh, the ice breakers greenberg defined kitsch as popular commercial art and literature with their chromiotypes magazine covers illustrations ads slick and pulp fiction comics tin pan alley music tap dancing hollywood movies etc etc and he proposed that kitsch was a product of the same historical moment that led to avant-gardism the Industrial Revolution. Urbanization and mass literacy created a new market. To meet the demand, a new commodity was devised, ersatz culture, kitsch, destined for those who, insensible to the values of genuine culture, are hungry nevertheless 
for the diversion that only culture of some sort can provide. This manufactured, formulaic, for-profit culture drove out folk art and authentic popular culture and replaced it with what were essentially commodities. MacDonald, Greenberg wrote, had shown how Stalin turned Soviet cinema into kitsch. The same thing was happening to the arts in Germany and Italy under Hitler and Mussolini. Kitsch was a way for dictators to ingratiate themselves with the masses. I wanted to read that today on the podcast just because um, I've been thinking a lot about that kind of thing recently. And and I mean to an extent, like I I think about it all the time, but I wasn't familiar with, with that Greenberg essay before I read this chapter. So that provided some context as to how we can trace back some of our thoughts and cultural critiques to people like this. You know, some of the sources from which they originally came. Um, He wrote this piece over 70 years ago, so of course, like, the concepts of kitsch and avant-garde have changed so much. There are entire billion-dollar industries that make their money by not only turning everything into kitsch, but by changing uh, the audience's definition of art to exclude anything that challenges their senses or their preconceived notions about how a healthy society should work. I think a lot of people hear the term avant-garde now and associate it with a postmodern bourgeois Frenchman smoking a pipe and wearing a turtleneck. It's kind of just dawning on me lately that that is so intentional, and it's all part of the same Hollywood effort to commodify everything and turn art into a, a product. There's a lot to say right now, in particular, with the tides seemingly changing in regard to how people are seeing Hollywood studios, I think. Like, during the 2010s, Marvel changed the entire landscape and its image and raked in so much money with their 20 connected movies that all play off each other, and it seemed like none of them would ever fail. A-list actors would sign on without an afterthought. It was so widely regarded as a no-brainer career move to make at least one of these these movies and cash in while you can. A lot of young directors even were signing on. It became known as the Indie to Marvel pipeline, which honestly, in hindsight, I no longer think was a very big deal. Because to be frank, yeah, yeah, now that a few more years have passed, it seems like none of the directors who gleefully joined the MCU were really worth the hype to begin with. Also, if an actor just ends up taking more of Disney's money, who cares? (laughs) Like, yeah. Like if I don't think anybody's really going to hold it against fucking Benedict Cumberbatch that he did a bunch of Marvel stuff. Yeah, I mean, if that's just like what an actor's like ceiling is, and that's what what they want to do, then fine. Like you know, I'm not I'm not here to criticize that, but you know, like there's certainly something worrisome to be said about like Barry Jenkins doing the Lion King sequel and Greta Gerwig's upcoming Narnia series. Wait, the Lion King sequel or the remake? Sequel to the remake. They're making a sequel to the remake, like a live action two. Yeah, it's Barry Jenkins from fucking Moonlight. I saw a clip of that movie for the first time ever today. Weirdly enough, the remake, like the live action one, I'd never seen a single second of it until literally today. And There's was, nothing to look at. It was terrible. Yeah, I mean that you're. It's the Lion King. That's like one of the most beautifully animated movies, like with just like. One of the most iconic in every single shot, yeah. And it's 
it was like flat and boring. <laughs> like it just looked like a regular lion it. with like its mouth moving like a yeah. puppet. Yeah, and also horrifying. this was the what I saw was them singing Hakuna Matata, which if you recall, <laughs> like happened to be a very colorful and beautiful sequence. I do remember. Not as good. Um, the kindergartners that I had seemed to like it. So. Well, I should nice. preface I'm teaching elementary school music, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. like that all ties back to what I'm trying to get at here. But like, am I losing any sleep over Chloe Zhao or Taika Waititi or Emerald Fennel putting mise-en-scene on the back burner and going to work with some of these like corporate studios? Not really. Nevertheless, though, there was a huge push, like as recently as five years ago, to make the case that Kitsch was actually high art. Black Panther was up for Best Picture. Eternals was, that was the Chloe Zhao Marvel movie, for those who don't know uh, her follow up to Nomadland, which won Best Picture. Uh, it was supposed to be this mind blowing art house masterpiece, like a new step for the Marvel Universe. That's how they were advertising it at the time, back in 2020. It ended up being the death knell of the Marvel Empire. And I don't even think that that's entirely fair because they did give people an off ramp with the Avengers Endgame a year before there was a global pandemic. Like, and I certainly took that off ramp. Like, that was the last marvel anything i've watched to this date and even at the time i was like i didn't I think care I'm done with this i, was, like, I didn't it was, care then i saw it i think like two months after it came out and like a few of my friends were making fun of me that i hadn't seen it yet <laughs> like you haven't seen endgame sure it's like no and then or actually that might have been infinity war i don't remember were those two different movies yes okay they, <laughs> they didn't need to be but they made them two movies so that they could just use one as a preview for the next can we all i know who is to blame for all of this and it's somebody that we can all get behind being mad at who jk rowling fuck jk rowling (laughs) so when they split harry potter 7 into two movies everything was doomed from then on (laughs) because if they had not done that and also if those movies had like adhered to the story that was written in the books they would have been better those are very well i don't want to say very well written books but they're very entertaining and if you wanted to tell a good cohesive story you wouldn't have diverted from or diverged from them but they did and then they made the most disgusting greedy money hungry move in the history of kids cinema up to that point which is splitting the last one into two so that everybody had to go buy two tickets instead of one and then there you go here we go now after that to the hunger games and that eventually marvel taking over the reins of that whole you know the ya saga or series that's currently like the big thing and that includes star wars by the way i'm amazed they didn't do four star wars movies marvel and star wars at this point are all just it's the same thing it's disney of of disney it's the mouse it's all the mouse it's the same thing as uh stephen a smith yeah i mean i just like i think that there was something in in the air even then when that came out in 2019 and then that was only exacerbated by covid like it happened at the same time that they replaced a group of cgi green screen action figures with way shittier ones and the world changed so people's relationship to superhero movies lost a lot of its luster i think i don't think anybody cares about them anymore and if they do it's like they're weird a bunch of my friends from home like love that stuff and like used to be when like one of those those movies would come out huge deal it was like all that they would talk about and they're like 
high school group chat or whatever right. but now the mcu is flopping hard it's been one underperformance after another since 2020 apparently like, they're even trying to get robert down. downey jr to come back that's never gonna happen no He's i think he like agreed it. to it or something did he really uh, i maybe i thought i think i saw something about that i that might I not don't be think true. So. Yeah, I would be very, very surprised. I, I think read a he's thing that said they it. were. Wait, let me see. The fact that he's he's about to win an Oscar for Oppenheimer, so like yeah, I don't think he's going back to that Marvel green screen. I'd be really, really, <laughs> I'd be really surprised. Let but me check. What I was saying, like even even my friends who were, who were really into that stuff, like they don't seem to care all that much anymore. Like I don't know, Marvel just had their biggest flop yet with the Marvels this weekend. It what made, is like, the Marvels? Exactly, we don't even know. It, it's a Captain Marvel sequel, so it has like Brie Larson in it, but it's also like two other superheroes, and it's like it's one of the female-led movies. So like in 2018, if people didn't like it, there would be so many people online saying you just hate women and now that that isn't happening anymore like they just don't have anything to stand on because their movies aren't good <laughs> and bad uh, <laughs> also there was a rumor that robert downey jr agreed to return to the marvel cinematic universe which to be honest i a don't care b it will believe it when i see it and c if i do see it i still won't care yeah and, <laughs> and d i think it would just be a the ultimate move reeking of desperation and i don't think it would ultimately help them in any way i don't know who i would think would be more desperate because like not that robert downey jr needs to do that but like he's not desperate at this point he's no, just not his, at all he's in his first real movie in 20 years not not that i mean that he's desperate i just mean like that's maybe i shouldn't have said desperate maybe I 16 said years pathetic yeah <laughs> Like, because why are you going back? Like, why go back? You have a nice, like, exit that the people who cared ever will remember. And the people who still care, they they should be happy that that happened or whatever. Nothing lasts forever. Like, I don't know why you would end up going back into that at like, all. It just doesn't make sense to me. Culturally, if you, like, look at how movies have changed, you could never expect for that era of superhero blockbusters to last forever. Like... I don't know. Everything's finite. I think we're going to get cowboy movies again next. Dude, that I would be into cowboy movies. Westerns. Like, it's going to be there's going to be another wave of something. Like it's probably going to be like space stuff or if it was like historical epics, I'd be very good with that. Speaking but, of which, we have an ad for uh, Ridley Scott's Napoleon. That's on what I'm TV saying. Right now. I'm very excited for this movie. But yeah, um, we're going to talk about it soon with our friend Lance. Get ready for fun. that. Keep an eye out. The reason I say that is because clearly whenever there's like i mean it's like a power vacuum it's like something needs to fill the space that marvel is going to be leaving behind and i think i'm assuming that mattel wants it to be toy movies of um, course after do. the success of barbie so that's why they greenlit all those things like you know they clearly see like disney being weakened <laughs> the mouse is weak <laughs> yeah. attack but god i don't know the optimist in know. me is looking at martin scorsese right now martin scorsese is like 80 years old no i i know i know but but like hear me out for a second like, how many okay. more does he have in him hopefully a few but that's like that's hopeful i don't want to rehash the most one-sided beef of all time martin scorsese versus marvel but like he won marvel can point to their their new content and say that it's not what it used to be and that's what it's dying but i think to some extent this was just did he ever have to win or did he just have a good point from the beginning oh exactly (laughs) no but they threw such a fit when he said that they were theme park movies which was like the nicest thing you could ever expect scorsese to say about and honestly that's like yes that is the nicest thing you could also say that is genuinely like why would you be that's why they exist 
Exactly. It's owned by Disney. What do you know about Disney? <laughs> they theme make theme parks. parks. Yeah. <laughs> like, Not only Marvel fans lost their minds over that, but even the directors. Like, I'm sure everyone saw that dead-eyed TikTok that Joe Russo made a couple of weeks ago about Marty, where he like he saw Scorsese talking to his dog Oscar, and he was like, "Oh, that's cute. His dog's name is Oscar." And then he looks at his dog, and his name is Box Office. It's a terrible name for a dog. It's all yeah. (laughs) His TikTok or whatever that was, I don't know where he posted it. Spawned a variety article about how much everyone hated it. The headline said like that's funny. Rich asshole prick or something. Even like in the actual headline. Wait, um, that that reminds me. This is a, a small tangent, but I think it's worth it. That reminds me of an old John Stewart bit, which goes back to. Do you remember the Malaysian Airlines Flight Three Seventy or whatever it was called? How could I forget it? So there was a uh, a thing that he did where CNN was doing way too much coverage of the Malaysian Airlines flight. They had like big airplanes and little airplanes and holographic airplanes, and they were just like explaining what a plane looked like. And then Fox started covering that CNN was covering too much of the Malaysian airline flight and then CNN covered that Fox covered that CNN was covering too much. <laughs> oh my John god. Goes, or Fox's coverage of CNN's over coverage will be covered. <laughs> it's like news loop just yeah, meta it's just, news. It's just disgusting soup. That Joe Russo TikTok was like not only the most pathetic shit I've ever seen, but it's also indicative of why public opinion is turning so hard on these guys. I like, mean, yeah. Why attack the artists that like <laughs> try? Like you why? can you can make your fucking toy aisle movies. It's fine, but just like know your lane. <laughs> like, Not even the artists who try. Your fucking forefathers, yeah. like the ones who came before you and who you wouldn't be able to do this without. They made blockbusters exist. Why? Scor- it's like like okay, Scorsese is a guy who has used kitsch to go back to the term that i mean i i don't even think that i i I think that's too nice to use to describe what marvel does but i think scorsese has how are you defining kitsch here well on a very base definition you could say like pop art and scorsese has used that as a trojan horse i think to sort of reveal yeah, make like, art America yeah <laughs> that, but like, that that is like palatable that but art that also like shows American greed for what it truly is and like he just put out killers of the flower moon which Still without no spoilers, a doubt I'm behind yeah you got it <laughs> without a doubt the most he's ever pulled back the curtains on that like American greed project well, if you do that era it's yeah. hard to tell a story with that even I mean I think if like if Ben Shapiro tried to write a movie set in that time period, Which I don't. Should. I think sure, but I think that he would not be able to not even accidentally tap into some like you know some introspective stuff. It's just impossible. It's so inherent in that time period. We should at some point honestly look at like an uh, ostensibly conservative like western or cowboy movie or whatever, and just like look at the lens of it well, and like how i don't know like if, if you, you look portray at, like the white cowboy at that era as like this like shining hero i mean that's yeah. instantly a very political take <laughs> like yeah you know, and that has a lot to say about like what you're doing so but it's it's, you know. it's also like when did you do it because like i think to like so 1959 rio bravo comes out and it's like under dog shit political circumstances it's john wayne in this beautifully directed howard hawks movie it's one of my favorite movies of of all time but 
it came out because John Wayne wanted to make a rebuff to uh, High Noon, which he felt didn't portray the like American sheriff in enough of a uh, heroic light, <laughs> which is very ridiculous. Funny. And like, it's all like also that's like 1959. Right. But then you can go watch like Unforgiven from 1992, and that's a very uh, revisionist western about like American myth making, and it's also from Clint Eastwood, who is at this point very well known for his rnc speech into obama's chair to a chair yeah now, i still don't know what that was about and we don't have to go into it now but no, i just I, remember that he talked to a chair exactly so like i don't know i i feel like those those kinds of movies have always had so many like inherent contradictions and i really hope that that kind of thing comes back because i don't know like, like you said i don't know ben shapiro writing a movie like that would would not be fun but like it would, i didn't say it'd be fun i just yeah. think that he would accidentally walk into a trap that would be very like you know no i i know it's fun and, to digest <laughs> and you were just using that as a, a joke but i was going to even like kind of earnestly defend it as like it's still interesting like to watch what the conservative mind is oh, of course like if they can produce something artistic out of it and so many conservatives to Today just can't do that at all and like that's why well the funniest thing to me is when they watch those you know like a marvel movie and then are thinking that the heroes stand for like like whitewashing everything or like, like i don't know like Dude, just I, like the opposite of what they're trying to say it's like did you watch that thing or like when they watch like it's always sunny and they don't realize that they're the ones who are like being made fun of by the creator and like to be fair the sunny guys always say that they they punch both ways yeah. but like to think that they don't is really funny well, and really stupid. <laughs> you hear Sonny, like, um, like I don't know, if, if you hear, like, Mac articulating a point that, like, you genuinely believe. Or right. Something like you that, should probably realize. You should probably be able to look at that through the lens of, okay, they're actually making fun of me here. And right. so many, I don't know, conservatives just don't have that level of, like, There's nuance no voice to their of brains. Reason, and it's always yeah. Sonny. So if all of a sudden you're like, hey, yeah, <laughs> you need to yeah, start I mean, it, thinking. <laughs> it's always Sonny as one one thing but i was gonna say the what you we were talking about with like avengers or those like superhero movies yeah. or whatever that like ingrain like uh ideology or whatever in people like, that's the same thing that i was just reading about from the book where it says right. like fascists use that yeah. as a way to i think ingratiate themselves into the masses i also and, think sports plays a part of this to be honest like there's like there's a world where like i don't know if you uh you'd agree with this but it feels like sports used to be a bit more um separate oh like, absolutely like it was like uh it was a different world and now all of a sudden like like you know what it is? and i don't want to talk about this and I, you know what i'm not gonna i'm just gonna allude to it but like when when very huge pop stars start crossing over into the world and i have no problem with it do whatever you want but now it's like all sports now have this weird fucking it's disney-fied again it's the same thing like like the nba also has this weird in-season tournament going on that's supposed to be like this big deal and it's like nobody gives a shit why is anybody pretending that anyone cares like it's like i don't 
I don't know. It just all feels like it's all made for you to care and like get you excited. It's like they're. Tra- it's like how I treat kindergartners. It's like trying to get you excited so that you'll listen. Like, <laughs> I think they're trying to. I, I think what they're tra- does that make sense? It, it totally does. It totally makes sense. But what I think they're trying to do is like create the sense of like everything's exciting so that you'll buy into it and spend money on it. They're trying to create the sense of monoculture in a world in which it can no longer exist yeah, because. That's true too like you have you okay have to be louder to try to break the through. like swift kelsey thing is probably the biggest example of swelsey r- yeah of right now like the biggest pop star in the world crossing over into the world of football by dating one of the biggest players in the league whatever i don't want to talk about that at all what isn't being taken into account there and what doesn't ultimately matter but is still like relevant to the point that i'm trying to make is that like the conservative mind right now not only hates taylor swift for being a woman and like for being a pop star and for making like ostensibly shitty music or whatever a year or so ago there was a lot of momentum in the conservative movement for thinking like sports are gay i'm, I'm not kidding like they wait they think, what they think Did it was, i like, miss that i i don't think so because it, it might have been in very like niche like right-wing corners or whatever but the it was that you hang out in oh of course yeah, yeah but it was like the it was like people Saying, like, it's, like, beta or, like, soy behavior to, like, hang out with your friends and drink beer and watch football or whatever. And, like, when I saw that, I was, like... Wait. Well, now, you're just going to lose everybody making those those kind of arguments. Isn't that their whole base? Or is you, they, you, are you they think? truly... Or is it that their base has completely lost it and they're only, like, weird internet people now? Well, it, it's because you have... Who are so like, disconnected from humanity like, that, that that's they don't exact, have real friends. That's kind of exactly what it is, because yeah. you're trying to get these like beer-drinking like Facebook boomers in the same voting demographic as like Nick Fuentes. Right. And that's just not going to happen. Right. But at the same time, like if that is what right-wing culture is now, conservatism is still like apparently half of the political spectrum so like if organizations like the nfl sports leagues or by the way conservative organizations yeah of course but like pop star management or whatever or just like celebrity pr like i don't think you're going to be able to market like anything to everyone anymore because like i don't know people those people can always market things i know I, i like i see what you mean but you could always market things to somebody because it'll get through somewhere. And that's why, by the way, ads are so goddamn bland mm-hmm. and just like say what stuff is. And they like are the lowest common denominator because if you try to do anything more than that, people won't get it. Mm-hmm. A, people will get mad. B, and C, people will just like tune out. So if you just show like the most bland, also recognizable, that's why every single thing has this mascot, you know, like we literally we have an nfl game on the background so we've seen in the last two minutes jake from state farm the dude liz lemon's boyfriend from all state <laughs> and um the same you know, like burger king same like three whatever. or four ads but it's all it's all the mascots because it's just like instantly recognize you know like you see it's like logo it like you see logo you know like you associate it and like that it, that takes no work you just keep on showing it over and over and over again, repetition, so that people will associate it. It's like brand recognition, corporate culture, whatever. Like no, I'm, but I'm saying that's like lowest common denominator. It's just sure. like, like 
Uh, that's the brand. I don't still want high like, concept ads, by the way. That's I'm, not what I'm saying. You know, things that, that could have been seen as like lowest common denominator in the past now could be like political wildfire because like to use the Swift Kelsey thing as an example, like conservatives hate Travis Kelsey right now for doing an ad for Pfizer. And also liking women. They live in their own world. It's one that is not attached to reality. So when you're trying to create culture that is marketed to everyone like i guess who's what, everyone exactly like what yeah. i'm saying is it's just Who not you leaving out it, it doesn't work anymore yeah. let's say i would say that you could realistically divide it in threes to be honest i think there's people who are hyper aware there's people who are comfortable knowing that there's stuff wrong and not going to do anything about it and then there's people who are in a completely different reality and like you're leaving out one side and I think the people who are hyper aware are already just checked out. <laughs> like, it might be a little reductive. I think I, it uh, is a little reductive, but I also think it's fair. Like, it, uh, yeah, I agree. And I think it, it ties in also to what we're talking about with Marvel right now, because they were they might be the last era of monoculture, honestly. It might be the that something might be the else end will something else will show up. Something else always shows up, I think. But mm-hmm. it's it's definitely gonna be fewer and further between and that's going to be one of the biggest ones i'd assume but yeah something will show up eventually again that all the kids love i, I have a theory that it's going to be danny go dan what do you know who danny go is no so i've been working with kids a lot now in the last few months and weeks uh i started at an elementary school last week and i had a hard time corralling these kids into just like behaving and then one of the other teachers told me to just put on a Danny Go video and watch what happens. And I was like, okay, what's this Danny Go guy? Um, it's like like face cam, but then he's like a singer and he's like make it's like he has like this really repetitive song where it's like it'll, it'll be like we're going to go find the treasure in the crypts and then it's like face cam up in the corner and then like a picture of him like a third person video game on the screen. He's like tiptoe, tiptoe, duck to the left duck to the right and like all the kids are just like up there doing it and it was like the creepiest shit i've ever i'm serious these kids are running around screaming and all of a sudden like this teacher's like put on a danny go video watch this i was like which one she's like doesn't matter i like i put on this random one they all know the words they all got up and they stayed quiet and they watched this guy and they went along with all this stuff that they were doing and i looked it up and this guy makes like five hundred thousand dollars a month like millions a year. Is he on like Patreon? This. I don't know. Oh, it's okay. just through YouTube videos. Oh, okay. So it's just YouTube views. And this guy, I looked it up too. Yeah, I guess he was he's like not having a, kids pay. That was a stupid question. Yeah, no, kids don't. Well, the families, if anything. But it's all like the ad revenue. And so he was like a marketing guy for like 15 years at like Lowe's. And now he like just has this massively successful YouTube channel that he makes millions off of that nobody over the age of six has ever heard of. That's crazy you work in children's entertainment. He's making millions and millions of dollars. It's like I have a question. It's crazy. It's very strange. Yeah. Are any of the kids like have you heard any talk about the uh Five Nights at Freddy's movie? I think old. that's a little older than okay. some of these kids. Fair enough. I had fifth graders, I didn't hear them talk about it. I'm so. completely tapped out of that. I've just heard about the like phenomenon of yeah. like, the uh crowds for that movie being like terrifying and full of like like really young, little kids like, i don't i don't know i didn't I know like that's, that's why i was thing. asking yeah, yeah i think it probably is yeah i don't know anything about it i will say and maybe it's just because i'm in the city like you know 
Well, okay, so I worked at two very different types of places with two very different sets of kids. Um, and I, I I don't feel as as awful for the world <laughs> as as I once did, nice. to be honest. Um, to be positive for once. <laughs> like, Let's do it. No, positivity hour. No, Fuck it's yeah. good. It's good. Like, I mean, these are kids who are in, like, the, the ones that I'm working with now are not in good situations, and they, they've got it kind of rough. And it's just like kids are kids. You know, they're like sweet and innocent sometimes and sometimes they're mean and like, you know, they're they'll run in and be like, he was running in the hallway. And I'm like, OK, well, let's deal with that later. Like, you know, it's like kids are kids no matter where you go. Like some of them are really smart and they're like interested in you know getting into. It's just like it's anywhere you go. Things are the same. Kids which, will be kids. That kind of uh, like they reminded me of you know me like when we were little and I was like, all right, so maybe things are not worse off. Maybe they're just the same and I'm older. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> which feels like something that is worth understanding <laughs> for everybody. That could also be completely wrong and things could be worse. And I just now have no grasp on reality. Everything is difficult to read. Who knows? <laughs> we can choose to be positive when we can. I guess. Yeah. Um, I just want to wrap up what I was saying. You know, my point about Marvel and Scorsese is the last time I really want to talk about it. Um, I know, Sam. I don't want to talk about Marvel ever again. Never. <laughs> this is probably the last time. Uh, yeah. Scorsese is out there making adorable TikToks with his daughter, Francesca. Um, he joined Letterboxd. People love him now on like TikTok, apparently, which I don't know anything about. But that's a whole new generation of fans, which is really awesome. Like I didn't think that was going to happen. Like if we're getting kids into Martin Scorsese and they yeah. go follow him on Letterboxd and they see, oh, he recommended La Dolce Vita or some shit. Right, I don't know. They go like, watch it. Yeah, that's a win. That that's a big win. And I will say too, the really high school is. kids, like some of the kids that were like into art, I was amazed at you know what they were actually able to comprehend at their age. But at the same time, <laughs> there's some that like you're like you've never heard of frank ocean <laughs> like, like where have you been i don't know i think things are the same as they always have been which is that there's a subset of the population who can understand and appreciate art and what it means and there's a lot of others who don't care and never will and people get mad at the other side all the time same as it ever was same as it ever was and it's happening right thank as you talking heads <laughs> <laughs> and it's happening right as everything's falling apart for the marvel cinematic universe this uh, is really beautiful I, I know. I mean, I don't know. There's there's some poetry there. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have a final thesis here. It's the canary. Here. It's the canary. Yeah. <laughs> for monoculture. Yeah. Marvel is the canary for monoculture. There's your title. Now the title is with apologies to Luis Guzman. That's true. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess I don't have, like, a larger thesis there other than sometimes things work themselves out. It's true. I know we we just went so long on that, but I do we actually did. have one more paragraph I wanted to read. So It better be like apropos or else I'm going to smack you. It's pretty sick, actually. Okay. This is actually the very next paragraph from the same chapter. Um, it says, This was a warning to the liberal democracies. For capitalism in decline finds that whatever of quality it is still capable of producing becomes almost invariably a threat to its own existence. Advances in culture, no less than advances in science and industry, corrode the very society under whose aegis they are made possible. A desperate capitalism will devour its own best art. 
socialism was necessary not only for the creation of a new culture, but also for the preservation of whatever living culture we have right now. In his diary, he put it this way, Kitsch is equivalent in culture of bourgeois democracy in politics. This I just found fascinating. Like, I think you can draw that back to Scorsese even. Like, there's a lot of thematic relevance there with, like, Casino or especially Wolf of Wall Street, like, both in the text and in the critical response to it. Um, But, like, again, to apply that to the current headlines, like, capitalism devouring art in a very literal sense, makes me think of the ongoing Warner Brothers saga with this absolute bullshit that they keep trying to pull, turning movies into tax write-offs. That's a really good point. Yeah, if you want to give me a quick... Because uh, I here's Let me just tell you what I know about this, and you can fill in any gaps. Sure, sure. Because I still don't really have the story straight. I know that they made apparently what is a very good movie, which is the uh, what was it, the Roadrunner versus Acme, Coyote versus Acme, Coyote versus Acme. Sure, okay, a Roadrunner movie, right? Wiley Coyote, Meet Meet, yeah, Meet Meet, and all that. It had like John Cena in it or something. Like there was like a, a big cast and all these things, and apparently it was great. Like all these artists came out on Twitter after it got canned and said like, "Hey, we saw this. It was awesome. Like you guys are all missing out. Good score, the whole deal." And then it came out that this is probably being done. Um, and by this, by the way, I just mean that this movie is being shelved and it's now slated to never get released and it's going to go in the vault. And everybody was calling for the pirates to go out and do their thing. The reasoning, apparently, was because they get a $30 million tax write-off if they don't release it, which I do not understand at all. So if you know why, please tell me, because I don't get that. Like, with that... Yeah, well, I don't know. How does that work? It's just been part of a larger, very concerning trend where they did it with uh, the Batgirl movie last year. And I think. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, I think Scoob 2. I I don't know. But they were. Not Scoob 2. Yeah, dude. They they massacred my boy. (laughs) Scoob 2. They were going to try it again this past week with uh, Coyote versus Acme. Like, they were going to shelve this movie really for no good reason and not allow the creators to seek alternative distribution, throwing away hundreds of hours of, of hard work for so many people and just take the tax credit. However, the fuck that works. Like, I, I don't know how that works either, but it's a loophole that has to be fixed once and for all. So shitheads like David Zoslav can't keep doing this. Thankfully, the backlash to this was so severe and, and widespread that they have now gone back on it and are now going to allow the creators to seek alternate distribution for the movie. That's good. Yeah, I saw an, an article saying a bunch of like high-level filmmakers were canceling meetings with Warner Brothers over this, so I can assume that's what actually made a difference. And that's what's going to have to keep happening as long as studios are picking people like David Zaslav to call the shots. CEOs are going to keep making asinine dystopian decisions that ruin careers and crush dreams in the name of percentage points on his bottom line. And that's been happening forever, but only now, like, apparently have they started to go too far, and it's alienating the people they really need to keep in good standing. And that absolutely applies to the strikes as well, which now are thankfully both over. But, like, Zaslav and Bob Iger, the 
Disney CEO who went to our alma mater, unfortunately, were apparently shocked at how their names were. Isn't that being, weird? It's so funny. Can fun, you imagine dude. if like we knew, or, like somebody that we knew in college ended up running Disney? <laughs> <laughs> I could see it, to be quite honest. <laughs> it's a very short list, though, who it could be. But. Yeah, but I, I've got a few names. Um, <laughs> we'll go over it later. <laughs> yeah. They were apparently shocked at how their names were being dragged through the mud. And it's like, How? How can you be that out of touch? I really don't think that this system is going to be sustainable anymore. And maybe it never has been, but like there have been so many mask off moments from the studios that have been so widely publicized lately, namely like the executive who called it a necessary evil or whatever to hold out long enough in the negotiation so that writers start like losing their homes yeah uh, that was that was the most absurd and bizarre oh and by the way the fucking sag strike ended last week yeah we never talked about that um but yeah the fact that they literally came out and said we want to starve these people out of their homes so that they'll come back to the table you know more uh willing to talk that is does that not feel like hey pretty pretty nice home you got here be a real shame if something (laughs) happened to it it's like it's an action without (laughs) fear of consequence and that that's what has to change i i really will be surprised if like filmmakers or creatives across other mediums don't start finding alternate sources to fund their work like i know that that sounds like uh idealistic but look at how much these franchise slop factory movies cost like the money is never on the screen especially now in the past like three or four years since the start of the pandemic and now well i mean how do you define on the screen because it's all in the talent and in the you know it's what really it is is in the it's in the marketing usually but yeah exactly yeah but i see it but like it's not on the screen the effects so so like the movies look bad and that's what it's all about (laughs) right now they're not even putting uh asses in the seats like well, maybe if everything wasn't just shot on a fucking green screen, things might look more interesting. Maybe. <laughs> like, and then if they didn't not pay to have the... Like, it's, you know what it is? When we had this discussion a couple weeks ago, it's content. <laughs> it's not film. It's not cinema. It's content. Yeah, well, that, that was why I got so upset at you for, for using that term at the time. Because, like, I don't want to talk about the things that, like, I care about and that I love as content. And that's exactly what these, like, executives want to see it as. And that's, like, what how they want us to talk about it. Like, it makes me think of when um, HBO Max or Max now Max. made that decision to, like, obscure... Uh, specific like uh credits on oh, their right. pages of like directed by scorsese and wasn't it just by, all in, like creators it was all just creators so it would or something like yeah. that or so it was was just, it creators or was there another word for it i think it was creators um it doesn't matter but it's like i, I don't know combine these like endless now studio failures one after the other no matter what the the like franchise is i'm not watching them but i kind of hadn't been but now other people aren't watching them either i mean combine that with like the obvious contempt that executives have for the people who make their movies and keep their studios afloat like you can't tell me that if attitudes start to change and i think that they are there aren't going to be smaller investors out there who will be interested and like i don't know maybe it is idealistic but um that's what i that's what i want to see moving forward yeah i mean it's 
better to be idealistic than not. So <laughs> that's probably going to do it for us today. We've got a little bit of a uh, shorter episode. Brody has to get up super early tomorrow, so we're going to mm-hmm. let him go to bed. Um, but yeah, we do want to plug our Patreon once again. You know, we didn't have a, a specific movie for you guys this week, but we will certainly be back with one in the very near future. Uh, l- last week we had Eddie Averill from the Extended Clip podcast on to talk election. Uh, and we've got a couple really exciting recent episodes of the New York Sports Corner as well. Um, as long as you just ignore that- the slant, the the uh, slight towards Luis Guzman. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that that show is going to be getting not not a full rebrand, um, but we are going to start calling it SBNY. Oh, I nice! Um, because we realize that the Stab Brothers New York Sports is a bit of a mouthful. It so. is a little bit, but <laughs> um, hey, yeah. nice. So keep an eye out. Uh, the cover art will stay the same. Everything will be the same. It's just that the name that's going to be written everywhere is going to probably say SBNY. So keep an eye out for that. It's a new era. New era. And Four episodes, new era. <laughs> subscribe, please, to the Mudville Patreon. If you want to sign up for free, you can. But also, we're fucking broke, so if you want to give us a little bit of money, we would greatly appreciate that would be amazing. it. We're really trying to ramp up our uh, content here, to use that dog shit word again. Uh, <laughs> it's your favorite word. Yeah, but we'll be back very soon. I've got some ideas that I'm formulating for some uh, Patreon-exclusive episodes uh i got a request from one of our paid subscribers for uh a specific episode so we'll have that coming out in the near future it's only yeah it's only uh five dollars and you can have us watch a movie how sick is that go uh do that yeah patreon.com slash mudville we'll see you next week have a good one everybody (laughs) 